Hey, peaceniks. Thanks for tuning in to the Peace on Drugs podcast. If we have any new listeners, uh, my name is Aaron Akulis, A-K-U-L-I-S. Follow me on Twitter and um, Facebook. If anybody, I wanted to, to, people that listen to me, I wanted to say, if you have anything that you think I should bring up or something you disagree on or a story you want to tell, anything that you want to talk to me about, uh, shoot me a message on Facebook Messenger, and um, and if you want to, if you have something you'd like to say on the podcast, um, I could, you know, I can make room for anyone. So, so don't you know? Feel free to shoot me a message, and um, you can sign up to our email list at thepeaceondrugs.com, and uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. A lot of the uh, advertisements I do, the funny commercials I do, that are fake. They're not. I don't have real sponsorship right now. Uh, we do funny videos, put them on our YouTube channel, stuff like that. Um, the YouTube channel is the Peace on Drugs podcast. And this week, I didn't do a funny commercial. And I'll tell you, out of all weeks to do a funny commercial, this would have been the week because the guy, the guest that I had today, uh, William Rhino Mueller, is um, he's riding a unicycle from Las Vegas to Key West. And... He's a wild dude, and it would have been cool to do a uh, funny commercial, but unfortunately, I just don't have the time to do all the things that I'd like to do right now because I'm still working full time. And so, but I did do um, something for this podcast because it turned out. So I woke up that morning, the morning of the that I had the interview with him, and I had a crazy dream. And then, and I know people don't want to get bored with someone's dream. Everybody's had crazy dreams, but but all these crazy things, these crazy things were happening like an elephant walking, like little elephants on the side of the road. I was on this road I grew up on. And um, there was this crazy things, like a, a guy like a, with, with a karate uniform was fighting a bear, the, the wildest shit. And um, and I never never occurred to me this is a dream. It was just like, wow, what is this? What's going on? And until an old friend of mine, um, Drew, I'm not gonna do last names, I don't know, call people out, it doesn't, I mean, he's not no longer with us, but his family is. But he died of a drug overdose a few years back, and um, and when I when he when he asked me for he turned and asked me for a cigarette, and I was like Drew, I was like, oh, this is a dream. That's when I realized it was a dream. So I woke up, and it was actually strange because I woke up into another dream. We've had that happen, and I was in another friend who's who passed away. This girl I grew up with, Shannon. I was in an apartment with her, and I was like, hey, I just had this crazy dream. Do you have a notebook I could write down? So I, I grabbed the notebook in her apartment and didn't realize, you know, the fact that she was there didn't make me think I was still dreaming for whatever reason. I went back into the, um, you know, suspension of disbelief or whatever that happens in, in these dreams. And I started writing this poem in a dream. And then I woke up from that dream and realized, holy crap, I was still dreaming. So I, um, so I went and grabbed a notebook in this life, the real world. I, I assume this is reality. I mean, who knows? But um, so I wrote this poem. And it's the first time I've written a poem in years. I, I have I, probably two or three years since I've written a poem. I write poetry sometimes, but not very often. And um, and it was just weird because so then I did this podcast and um, Rhino is, we, we smoked a joint at the end and both of us got a little, I think, higher than we were expecting because we were sitting there and all of a sudden it was just like he started doing impressions and like the conversation, he's like, this is a good time to talk about kava and kratom. And we hit the joint and then just couldn't get back on track to talk about that. But it was funny. But he 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 read a poem that he knew from memory that he wrote when he was in prison. And I just thought it was so crazy. The first time someone's read a poem on my podcast, same day I wrote a poem in the first time in a few years. And so we talked about that. And I told him, I was like, you know what, I'm going to read my poem at the beginning of this one so you'll hear it. And um 
And instead of doing that, what I ended up doing is I was like, I'd like to put music behind my poem. And then I was like, well, that's not fair to him because my poem's gonna be all music and then he's just reading his on the podcast. So I actually copied and pasted his poem and made it the second verse in like a song and I had my wife sing a chorus. So that's gonna be this week's sort of fake commercial. It's not a commercial at all. It's just my poem and his poem with dividers of Megan singing this chorus. Uh, I think it turned out pretty cool. It's a little serious. It's not, I'd like to wish I had time to do a funny commercial because I could have done both. I just ran out of time. So I hope you enjoy this poem, or I should say these two poems. And um, one last thing, great, great uh, guest. He's doing this um, uh, unicycle ride from Las Vegas to Key West, raising awareness for three different charities that are will be I should have written down, but um, you can look him up at um, at Rhino Ventures, and his name is William Rhino Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. He's on Venmo. He's trying to raise money for um, for this trip, and it's he's an interesting dude, and he's he's a wild dude. So we, anyway, cool cool podcast, fun conversation. I hope you enjoy our poetry, and here it is. It wasn't the elephant walking its young on the side of the road, or the grizzly some old white man was fighting with karate. The bear was gnarly and towering. The man had the headband and gi, and he was holding his own with kicks and chops like Bruce Lee. It wasn't the green Harley Davidson motorcycle I was riding, even though I'd never ridden one in my life. Or when all of a sudden I was walking on a dark road with strangers. It was when Drew turned and asked me for a cigarette, that's when I turned and looked up that dark and rodent-infested road. That's when I knew it was all a strange dream, and that I was in bed, a thousand miles from that road I'd been down so many times as a child, because of so many others I'd known on that road. Drew died of a drug overdose years ago. So I gave him the smoke, and we both lit up. I took a deep drag. I hadn't had a cigarette in ages. How you been, old friend? I asked. For too long we've been losing our ones. For too long we've been missing you. I'm trapped in a cell where I inevitably face for a crazy car chase. I could have never imagined such an incredible waste nor pictured myself taking a taste. Well, the people trapped here are full of emotion, but it's made of the tide that brings only revulsion. There's fear, there's anger, jealousy, and hate. Talk of lost love, broken families, all blamed on fate. It's sad that so many consider their plight. It's just one more reason to stray from the light. Missing me. 
hope you enjoyed that. And remember, follow me on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and anything you want to add to what I'm saying or some story you want to tell, message me on Facebook, Aaron Akulis, A-K-U-L-I-S. Hope you enjoy this interview with my man, Rhino. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug Drugs are menacing our society. What are your thoughts on the drug problem? I had a great time doing drugs. So tonight, from our family to yours, from our home to yours, thank you for joining us. This is the piece on drugs. On drugs. We're going. All right, so... Um, so a mutual friend, TJ, introduced us. You had just met him, and he was my sixth guest on this podcast. Yeah. Great dude. Yeah. I really felt a connection to him when I first met him, and so we were at Gator Bites. And I just met him a few days ago, and like right away I just felt like this guy needs to talk to somebody. And so him and I and this guy named Mike that I met the same night, and I wasn't even going to stop in there. It was one of those things where you feel kind of led yeah. to stop. And then I met TJ and he was just, we just connected right away and we just spent the day yesterday together hanging out, just dudes, you know? Yeah. Girls get together and do girl stuff, so us guys need to have some, you know, guy time. I shared with you earlier, I just lost my uh, fiance, girlfriend of eight years in December to metastatic lung cancer that came from the colon. And so I got to help her in her last days and everything and now it's just me and my golden retriever, so getting ready to cross the country on a unicycle. You know? Yeah, that's uh, it's incredible. <laughs> I want to talk to you about your so your um. Th so that's why why I got you on this podcast. Why TJ recommended you is was what you're about to do. You're leaving on Tuesday to fly out, right? Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm leaving Tuesday to drive over to West Palm and stay with one of um, my fiance. Her last name is Love. I like to call her Ms. Love because it just sounds cool. I used to joke with her if we got married when we got married that I would take her last name. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, right. <laughs> Love. That's just cool. So my last name's Mueller, by the way, um, William Mueller, but I go by Rhino because William's too generic. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, you can go by Will, Willie, William, Bill, Billy, William, Bill Tender because you're a bartender and ladies call you Tender Bill, but my friends call me Rhino, so that's my story. And, and there was a story in the article about why you, why you got the name because of the thick yeah, skin you have. It's, yeah, you got to charge ahead, two-inch thick skin, you know, be an optimist. My only enemy in the real world is poachers. Those are the negative people that try to suck my positive energy. Like... I try to give my energy away because it doesn't come from me anyway. I believe it comes from, you know, higher power. It does. Yeah, see, that makes me think of something I just read. And um, I know we're going to get into some religious talks um, or spiritual talks. But mm -hmm. I just read um, Revelation by um, Russell Brand. And he was talking mm -hmm. about this cool concept that that if you, just because the that consciousness is in the brain, like you can figure out, like if you were to cut pieces of the brain out, you lose certain parts of consciousness, but that doesn't necessarily mean that consciousness that is created by the brain. So imagine if you were um, like an, you know, a less civilized person and you came across a radio and it was making noise, you'd be like, well, if I cut this wire, it stops making this sound. So, so clearly this is how this thing works and you would totally get it wrong. You wouldn't understand that the actual sound was coming from some other source. So right. our source of energy and power and consciousness could easily be coming from somewhere that we can't understand. Right. And that's what God is or whatever that higher power energy is. Yeah. I mean, omniscient, omnipotent, you know. Yeah. Um, um, omniscient, uh, omnipotent, and what's the last one? Omnipresent. Yeah, the omnipresence of 
And if you think about everywhere, and and it's not just the 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 consciousness of human beings. I think we share this energy with the consciousness Mm -hmm. of all living things. It's just this different levels of. That's why we connect like with dolphins. When you meet them, you're instantly a manatee. You're like, oh. And you know, when as you get try to get closer to your creator, you get closer to the things that he created, and you start Mm -hmm. noticing the beauty in trees and and the complexity of an ant hill and the way bees do what they do. And I don't know. It just makes like. Like, like being a kid again, you know, appreciating, it you know, and it's not being a cog in the machine, like removing yourself from that. Like, that's why I love working for myself now. Yeah. Because I can control, just like you do as a musician, an entertainer. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was kind of born to be an entertainer and I've been doing it for free my whole life. So now when I move to Vegas, I'm going to start doing like amateur stand up and maybe it'll pay the bills, maybe it won't, but I just like making people laugh. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually starting to work on some stand up material to promote my podcast. I go to open yeah. mic nights and, but start as like a comedy routine, but then, you know, yeah. to tell stories about drugs that I've went through and things. That's what I love to do is do storytelling. I like to, I like to tell a story in, in such a way verbally so that I could just record it and put it on paper. And that would be like part of my book. Yeah. Instead of trying to like manufacture what you want to say, just say it. And yeah. Then, Put, to put it on paper. I don't know. Yeah, and that's that's what I think a lot of writers would do is you would just tell your story the best way you can and then you go back and edit and make it flow, make sure it flows the right way. But um, Especially true stories because we don't have to worry about character development or anything. Oh, yeah. Like this is all unscripted, uncut, unedited. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's easier, fun. I mean, even <clears throat> that, that's why the best fiction writers pull from their actual experiences. Makes you know, sense. Just make, you know, even, even if you're writing fantasy, yeah. this, those characters can be based on people and people you've met and things that have happened to you to make it feel real. Yeah, you have to have lived it and you have to give it some detail and complexity for it to be interesting, especially to anybody that's of you know, superior intellect. If that's your target audience, like I'm not really trying to appeal to the masses. Not everybody's going to get me. And, you know, the more well, I go, the more haters I find. But I just yeah, have to also, ignore them. The haters are the loudest. So you're, you're yeah. probably getting for every hater, you're getting 10 people that love it. They're just not being loud about it. They're yeah. just going with their flow. The haters are nasty and loud and they want because they're they're hurt. What it is, is it's their own pain that they're that they're right. They're displ- It's like they're displacing their aggression. Like exactly. people go in and go off on a server they're not they're not thinking about the fact that server is a person too and i have to con- consider that when i want to smash those people in the head I'll get that <laughs> that's a person going through their own battle they're right. taking it out on the wrong person they're, they're they're taking it out on their mother or father or whoever subconsciously but they're, what they're really doing is hurting some poor server that now is making their and then they're going to deal with stress that maybe they take it out on the roommate when they get home i mean right it, it, it spreads like a disease yeah. that, that negativity and back to being a rhino that's where i think it's so important to uh be careful who you associate with. Like they've always said, you know, you got to watch your associations because you become like what you're around, mm-hmm. or you can, unless you're extremely strong-willed. You know, well, to be able to resist. The skin you have, and, the, and the, like you say, if you can have a negative uh, an interaction with somebody where somebody's extremely negative and not carry that to your next interaction, that's a, yeah. that's a great way to live your life. To just immediately, there was um, Eckhart Tolle in the book talked about these this phenomenon with uh, watching bird, ducks fight in a pond. The ducks would fight like crazy, and as soon as the fight was over, they'd flap their rings really hard. That was releasing that energy, and then they would just float serenely in the in the water. Like if people could be like that, the person's yeah. not going to just flap away the energy. Like, all right, now I'm fine. They're going to hold grudges, and what, what am I going to do next to that other? Person? Well, have you ever noticed sometimes when two guys are managed to actually get in a fight? Like they become friends afterwards. Like you, you got rid of that. Some then, guys do that. You like they, yeah. that, they'll, they'll give daps. A lot of times, yeah. that's when they were already friends before, and they got into a big yeah. argument, and then somebody won. Like they laughed it off. Then you have other guys, it's other people that just get malicious, and they're like, mm-hmm. "I'm going to come back," and you know. Well, it reminds me, like you think about the seven deadly sins and how all those, all those sins are just really negative emotions, like jealousy and envy and gluttony, and I mean, all of it is just like you're. 
you're not finding the right avenue to release like your 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 problems. You got to face your problems. Look in the mirror and self actualize. If you don't yeah. do that, you're gonna have escapes, and you're not gonna address the root of the problem. And like they say, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound to cure. You got to address stuff and nip it in the bud before it. Stitch in time saves nine. You know, we could go on with all the. Oh yeah, <laughs> one of my favorites is the resentment is like drinking poison and hoping it kills the other guy. Yeah, I think who said that might have been on Mandela. Um, but uh, no, one thing I wanted to bring back to what you had just said. I meant to uh, say was when you were talking about the more you get spiritual um, and and into God and seeing all of His creation and marveling at an ant hill, whatever else. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I always thought was weird about some of the Christians that I, because I'm from the Bible Belt and um and my whole family is very religious, but they, they don't see and not all. Not I'm not going to talk about all of them, but uh, it just seems to be in most of the culture with evangelical and Republican is not to care about the environment. That's one thing that, like, the, and I don't know why that's the right. I, honestly, I, don't, I hate the right wing. If you're a right wing, you have a list of things you have to believe in. If you're a left wing, you have a list of things you have to mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what if you don't believe in, check every box in the list? A lot of people will fall in line on those other issues. I'm not going to. Yeah. If I was a Christian, then I would, and I, and I didn't say, say I hated abortion and I'm a Christian. Well, then I'm going to believe the Republicans that way. But that doesn't mean I also have to deny climate change. Right. So but that's a weird thing to me. If you believe God created this earth, wouldn't you want to take care of it? And, and like, this mm-hmm. is a gift for us to enjoy. Like, yeah, this, I mean, well, I think a lot of times people get so wrapped up in themselves. Like it's hard to break through. Like when, like for example, what I'm trying to do with this charity event, I'm trying to raise awareness for three charities, Disabled American Veterans, the Firefighter Burn Fund, and Concerns of Police Survivors. Whenever somebody in law enforcement gets killed, they help the surviving family members. They're all highly rated charities, and I'm just trying to raise awareness so people think about, give your time if you can't give money, or give money if you can't give your time. You know, Just do what you can where you are with what you have. And so um, I think if everybody tried to be like a little more philanthropic part-time just with their spare time it it really is rewarding it makes you feel better so it's like you get you get back as much as you give you know yeah so um another Mm -hmm. thing i want to say about the the police officer because i know the whole country's in a very weird spot with cops they 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 want to hate police officers and and then they you know there's a there's a whole list of things to talk you know we could go in we're not going to get into with all that but one thing is the reason my podcast about the war on drugs has a lot of different things i want to help change in the world but the war on drugs is one of the main reasons you have gang violence and gun violence in this country. Mm-hmm. And the cops, the reason they have to go into these horrible, dangerous situations is because they're fighting a drug war that can't be won. And, I mean, you think about the cartels. Well, we have similar things here in the inner cities. Not as bad as the cartels with the cutting off of heads and stuff. But still, people are dying every day and the cops are having to fight that. And I feel like if we could take that aspect out of it, and other countries like Portugal have done that. You stop the war on drugs. You stop. You pretty much legalize everything, just about. At least, well, at least, dec- I mean, I'm for legalizing and regulating everything. Yeah. But you start with decriminalizing. The problem is the drug gangs will still sort of exist. But like what Baltimore just did, they've stopped arresting for small-time drug dealing and small-time drug possession because they realized when they stopped arresting for for those things during COVID to keep people out of jail, that crime went down. It didn't go up. So mm-hmm. they were like, all right, we're going to keep this thing going. And I think other uh, places need to realize that, that if you stop arresting and, and, and you, you can reestablish, the cops can be there to help you. Say, even if drugs weren't legal but were decriminalized, some drug deal gone, gets, goes bad and there's some kind of violent thing, the cops could come and help the situation and not be a third-party enemy of both sides fighting because they're mm-hmm. there to arrest drug users. They're, they would be right. there to stop the violence. Yeah. And it would make it safer for our officers on the streets, and they could be really concerned because a lot of officers they get into the they get into the 
police work because they want to do good for their community, help protect people from criminals and other things like that. But they end up, most of them end up getting sucked right into help fighting the war on drugs. It's the first thing you're going to start doing is arresting people for pot and pot possession. And, and if you want to move up to detective, first you're going to start working in narco units. And you're going to work in these horribly dangerous units going undercover with drug bust eliminate that why yeah. can't they just go into work and do the work they wanted to do when they were a little kid fighting the bad guys that's what right we, i mean yeah the people that 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 steal and all that yeah people that know, steal and rape, rape and murder and, yeah. and beat, beat their wives and like let's find get the, the the dangerous people out of society and also once you get those dangerous people out of society let's not torture them in a prison let's let's get them some help rehabilitation right. let's make people let's make our whole society safer and healthier that's yeah, well, like I mentioned earlier, I'm 53 now, but 35 years ago when I first moved to Tampa to go to college, I was 18, and I was in a club uh, blowing off some steam across the street at my apartment. I'd started my waterbed on a slow fill. The year's 1986, you know, so waterbeds were still happening. Oh, right. <laughs> and so I was filling my waterbed, and I knew I had about three hours to kill, so I went across the street to this dance club, and I'm on the floor doing some tricks, and the crowd clears, and I'm going haywire, doing flips and walking handstands. So the owner of the club gets on the mic and he's like, get off the floor. Well, the whole, the whole crowd booed him. So he got mad and called his buddy because he used to be a Hillsborough County Sheriff's officer himself, the owner of the club. And he was mad that his crowd booed him. So he uh, called the sheriff's officer to come arrest me before I even knew what was going on. He comes out on the floor, grabs me by my arm. I'm like, whoa, I'll leave. I get outside and there's an officer waiting for me. He's like, you're under arrest. And I said, what for, officer? And he said, disorderly intoxication. I said, well, I haven't had anything to drink. I'm drinking orange juice. I said, can you give me a breathalyzer? You know, I got to be at work at six in the morning and I live across the street in those apartments. You know, my waterbed's going to flood if I don't shut it off. He's like, I don't give an F about your waterbed. And he grabs my arm and went to cuff me. And in that moment, I'm like, number one, this is false arrest. I didn't do anything wrong. And if I don't go home and shut off my waterbed, it's going to flood my apartment. So I took off running. Well, when he chased after me, he tripped over his own feet and landed on the ground. And when he got on the radio, I heard what he said later. I was told. He said, officer down, all units respond. So 12 units came to my apartment complex. Three of them were canine units. And they went into every single unit to try to bust for drugs, even though they saw the unit that I went into. And then when they found me hiding behind the, uh, the wall, the officer who had already tripped also managed to get kicked as he was trying to bust his way in my friend's apartment. So when he found me, he broke my wrist with his bare hands, cuffed me, and threw me down a flight of stairs. Oh, Long shit. story short... The trauma from that incident made me so paranoid of the police that a month later when I came back to Tampa to try to get an attorney, because they were charging me with assault and battery on a police officer, and I didn't even touch them. They took me to a local park and surrounded the car with other cars and spent 20 or 30 minutes getting their story straight, which is totally legal as well. Oh, yeah. So I got released to my own recognizance a few hours later and went and got checked out at the hospital and went home. There's an eviction notice on my door. I got three days to vacate, so I withdrew from college, quit both my jobs. I was a fine dining waiter at some international hotel near the airport, and I delivered pizzas at night, and I studied robotics during the day. So anyway, all that was over. But I came back a month later to try to get an attorney, and that one night as I was leaving this parking lot of a club, there's a cop car comes flying in. Well, he's not there for me, but I don't know that. And he standard procedure, he's going to try to pull me over because I'm the only car leaving. So that confirms in my brain, oh, he's after me. So I take off, and before it was over, I busted through six roadblocks and totaled two cop cars. Now, the guideline system called for five years of probation, but my judge was named Harry Lee Cove III, the hanging judge, and he gave me five years in prison followed by 15 years of probation. Oh, shit. So, That's crazy. And, how, and you were 18? 18, yeah. Wow. But I became a certified tutor, a certified welder, board of Al-Anon, board of JCs. I even had a guard pull me over and pull me off the, the yard one day, and he's like, what are you doing here? I said, I'm sorry, I was trying to understand. He's like, are you an actor? He's like, are you researching a role? 
And I'm like, no, I'm a convict number 107963, you know. But uh, that's the nicest thing anybody ever said to me. To have a guard as when you're a convict in prison tell you that you don't belong there and ask you if you're an actor. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty cool, you yeah. know. So anyway, I just wanted to share that because I'm not... I'm not embarrassed at all or stick. But you were stuck with the felony charge on your record. Oh yeah, still there. Yeah. So when I became a mortgage broker, I had to hire an attorney to have the right to be a mortgage broker because they wow. tried to deny my license. And see, that's crazy. You, you did your time, which the whole thing could be argued that you were um, that you weren't. There was a whole messed up situation. Also, you're 18. We put too much pressure on 18 year olds to be complete adults in every decision they make. Mm -hmm. When I was 18, I was a, a, an idiot. Just the things that I did. Luckily, I didn't get caught with some of them. I could have definitely got went to prison for some of the just. I mean, some well, of the crazy driving and, and see, doing, drinking. And, and I feel like my punishment should have been the beating I got because when the car chase was over, they pulled me out the window and threw me in a ditch and broke my jaw and knocked out three of my teeth. And they were beating me with their nightsticks. And if the ambulance hadn't got there when it did, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. Yeah. So. That should have been my punishment, but well, that, you know, that, we'll see. The, you should have never been in trouble the first place when they called, mm -hmm. the, the club owner called the cops, and <laughs> right, it, it's, the, it was the, definitely a domino effect. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I mean, there's times you know, I when I was arrested when I was a kid for like pot possession, where all of a sudden I'm stuck with the charge where it's like the cops should have never found the pot plant anyway. They weren't looking for that. Like it, it was just a bunch of crazy things that that mm -hmm. lead to these situations, but. When you know, you're 18, you're stuck with this record. So you go, you do, and how many years you say you ended up doing two? I got out in about two for good behavior, yeah. So for two years in federal prison and stuck with the felony. and then, But your time's not done. That's the problem. Yeah. Your time should be done at that point. You've done your time. You're done. Go, to, go back to your life. But you can't because all the careers and the things you wanted to do, you have to now fight the, the idea you had a felony. And I know because I've had two misdemeanors, which isn't even nearly as bad, but it's still kept me out of jobs. Yeah. And I had it been a felony. See, a lot of the jobs I've hired only ask for about felony. So mm. I could just say no. So right. I had that, that luxury. But some jobs would say any, crim, any crime you must have put on there. And I would just gamble and hope they don't do a criminal check and just say no because I know if I say yes, there's too many people applying for the job. And a few times I would get hired, and then a week later they'd be like, oh, this came back, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, right. It's awful. Yeah. Man, crazy. It is. But um, mm -hmm. let's talk Let's talk more about this is really what we got to get into is what you're about to do. Because mm -hmm. this is, to me, and probably anybody listening, it's a crazy thing. It's a mm -hmm. cool thing. Mm -hmm. But also I was thinking it's very crazy that you're doing it starting in June mm -hmm. in the desert. Yeah. So you're going <laughs> to Nevada. Nevada to Florida. You're not going north where it's going to no. get cooler. You're going to go hotter, yeah. hotter, hotter. So in 2019, I went from the Space Needle in Seattle to the Golden Gate Bridge. I went to Tacoma, to Portland, through the forest, to Oregon, to the Pacific Coast Highway, and all the way so down. It was a beautiful ride, probably. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was great. The only problem was I don't have any gears, and there's no coasting. And on that trip, I didn't have a brake. So your legs are your brakes, you know, on one wheel, you know. So you're going downhill, or up well, and down? Well, up and down, and yeah. sometimes it was too steep to go up, so I'd have to push it, and it was too steep to go down, so I'd have to push it, because uh, it's like a flywheel, all that weight. I had 65 pounds of gear on it, in addition to me, because I had my driver back out a week before the trip, uh, and I literally felt like it was like the devil trying to stop me, so I'm like, no, I'm going to build a luggage rack, and I'm going to learn how to ride this carry and everything. So it took me seven weeks to go a thousand miles. But you were carrying sixty pounds, it said, right? Yeah, sixty, sixty-five pounds. Yeah. But the whole um, the seventh week, my brother Dennis surprised me, and he drove up to Eureka, which is about three hundred miles north of the Golden Gate, and he met me and carried all my stuff in his truck. So I was able to go three hundred miles in one week, where it took me six weeks to go seven hundred miles. So it's like more than triple. Yeah. Without carrying stuff, so that's why this time I have drivers. But anybody out there listening. Uh, I'm still kind of looking for that one person that really clicks, that wants to go on an adventure. Maybe you're taking a semester off school. Maybe you just withdrew from school. 
Maybe you're waiting to go to school. Come on along. I'm taking care of all the food and board and all that. And how can they reach you? Definitely going to be an adventure. Uh, Best way is Instagram, at Rhino Ventures. R-H-I-N-O-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S, at Rhino Ventures. Also mentioned at the beginning of my podcast. And my phone number's on there and my, you know, my Facebook and all that. It's easy to get a hold of Because I was going to ask you about the driver, because it said you're a driver. So you right now have multiple drivers. I do have people lined up, but the the issue is some of them want me to pay them. And it's like, I'm not getting paid for this. This is costing me a bunch of money because I'm taking six months off work. Right. But I felt like it's something I had to do. It's like a mission. And I tried to deny it. And I went back to work as a manager at Red Lobster. And I was just not liking it. Because that's not where I was supposed to be. No, yeah. So I left there, and I went to Amazon, got in shape, and then I just kind of stepped out on uh, Matthew 626, which says, like, look, look how he takes care of the birds in the air and the flowers of the field, and how much better we take care of us. So, so I, I'm talking about the company Amazon you worked for. Yeah, I was working for them when I before I went on the trip. Okay. So I ended up saving up maybe about a month's worth of expenses, and when I was just about to be broke, strangers started stopping me and giving me money, like, without me asking, and hotel owners saying, hey, I'm up the road. When you get there, you can stay for free. And restaurant owners and homeless people giving me Red Bulls. And it was amazing how generous everybody was. It is. And, and yeah, people do have, they love to help when they can. Yeah. Definitely. And one of my biggest problems has been I'm not good at asking for help. And so I have to kind of overcome that because I definitely could use the help. Yes. And you yeah. also have a GoFundMe. I do. And yeah, what's that? What's that? Too. Well, you know, they give you like a code. I mean, my name's William Rhino Mueller, so I think it would pop up like that, but um, I should have been prepared for that. Well, you know what we'll do we is, can put is it. Uh, have you sent it to me, and I, I always do an intro, so okay. I'll, uh, I'll throw it up on the intro. Okay, you could like do a link or whatever. Yep. So cool. But um, yeah, so I'll try to get my guests to try to help you with that, and I'll also donate to that as well. Oh, awesome. Um, so my plan is to do 50 miles a day, five days a week. And so you're going and, from Nevada to Florida. Is there going to yeah. be any mountains? Or is that all flat pretty much? No, it's not all flat, but I think the worst is over because going from Seattle to the Golden Gate, there was a lot of you know heavy-duty elevation changes. And here I'm going to be going from uh, Las Vegas to Lake Havasu City, where I used to live in Arizona. That's where the London Bridge is. If you all remember that nursery rhyme, London Bridge is falling down, mm-hmm. well, it literally was falling apart, and England sold it to the owner of the McCulloch Chainsaw oh, so Corporation. So the actual London Bridge is now in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's mostly, I think, they, they built the foundation of it, and then they skinned it with all the original granite. I don't know if they actually used all the granite blocks, but it is you know made from the London Bridge. So um, anyway, I lived there for eight years, and so I want to go back there. And my brother Dennis just recently retired as the fire chief of Lake Havasu, and he's in Vegas which is where I plan on moving to when I'm done with my trip. Okay. So that's one of the reasons why I'm leaving Las Vegas. Instead of leaving the Golden Gate, where I ended my first 1,000 miles, um, there's a lot of desert in between. So what I'm doing is adding those 500 and something miles that I'm missing between San Fran and Las Vegas and making my route kind of circuitous. I might even dip up into Colorado some, or I might go deeper down into Texas. Oh, so you don't actually have a route. I was going to ask you about your route. You don't have a no, I'm kind of No, I mean, I have the general idea, and I know what I'm planning on doing, but I also know that every day I kind of like to pray, like, lead me where I'm supposed to go. And I might meet some farmer that says, hey, I go to the VFW, we'll put on a fish fry dinner for you, and the proceeds will go to help you pay for your trip. I mean, stuff like that yeah. just happens. So I want to be able to, you know, change. That's cool. But I plan on being on I-40, Route 66, I-40, for a lot of the way. I'm going to have to, after going through Phoenix... Because that's the home of Circle K, and they're my biggest sponsor right now. Um, and Unicycle.com is also a national sponsor. And then I have local sponsors. So, for example, in Lee County, which is Fort Myers, Naples, Fort Myers Beach. No, not Naples. That's Collier, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway. Um, but Cape Coral and Fort Myers and all, and beaches, 
is all part of Lee County. So I'm selling ads on a local jersey because I'm going to be here for a week. The end of August, I'm going to have some get-togethers like at Gator Bites, which is an advertiser, Shuckers in the Cottage, which is an advertiser. And then uh, I'm working on a, a few more right now in GM Event Productions, my nephew, uh, DJ G-Ride from the Lonnie Kai. DJ G-Ride. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> you do uh, good. You do that very well. <laughs> um, He's my nephew. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, because I was looking at this, um, at the, the, the route that you possibly would take. You, it looks like you Arizona, New Mexico, and um, I would, you and you, you smoke sativa? Is your... Yeah, yeah, it helps me focus. I think I... I, I definitely think I have ADHD, but I was never diagnosed. I had it before there was a name for it. You know, I've always just been like dealing with learning how to think with think of five things at once, and your brain's going 100 miles an hour, and you got to like slow right. it down. And the sativa just helps me do that. And I don't take any pharmaceutical medication. Um, and some people maybe think I should, but uh, I think if, if sativa know, works, it's way healthier than any of these SSRIs or Adderall yeah, or any of that yeah. stuff. Well, look at any magazine, and the first page of the ad for like restless leg syndrome is going to show some happy family. But if you read the next three pages, it's all disclaimers on how it might make you promiscuous, it might make you gamble. So I'd rather have my wife have some restless legs than be cheating on me and spending all of our money, right? <laughs> right. Because that just leads to divorce. That's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so what I was going to ask you, though, is if you're, if you're self-medicating with marijuana, you start in Nevada through Arizona, New Mexico, you're good to go. Yeah. Then you hit Texas. Yeah. No, no pot there. Or, or is it just <laughs> not that they know about? Or, or is it just like you're just going to go sober? For well, here, no, here's what's totally cool. One of the apps on my phone is couch surfing. Another one is warm showers. All I got to do is put the little story out there. Hey, I'm crossing the country on a unicycle. I'm going to be in Albuquerque. I want to stay for two nights. Will anybody pick, you know, pick me up? And so basically somebody or multiple people will say, yeah, you can come stay here. And then in exchange, I'll just story tell or I'll put in the garbage disposal form. I do plumbing and electrical and stuff. So I'll do whatever. I don't care. Yeah. But um, and even if my driver's back out, I'm still doing it. It's just going to take me longer. Yeah. I mean, this is like my mission. You know, like I said, I lost my my uh, fiance and uh and, you know, my kids are grown and my wife's my ex-wife. And so, you know, I'm just free to do whatever. Yeah. So. But so, but again, about the, because the, once you, about mar keeping your marijuana, you, until, you, do you have your medical card here? No, but if I lived here, I would. Okay. Because I, I did, we do have ours here. Well, I had mine and then it expired. I'm waiting to get my carry permit and, I, and it's the whole thing with that. And it's not like I, I don't wake and bake every day, but. I've noticed that when I do have a little bit of sativa, it really does help me focus and I get more done. It doesn't make me tired and lazy and lay around. Like, oh, no, me neither. And I'm trying to keep like eight balls in the air right now between training for this ride, selling advertising for this ride, um, doing some work to make more money, trying to get get it out there, you know, taking care of Schnarf, my golden retriever. Snarf. And then just friends that need help with stuff or whatever, you know. So. Yeah, I was going to say this. Uh, I wanted to give this guy a shout out. On Twitter, I follow Tom uh, Tom Engel, I think is his name, but he just released or he he put, does all these great posts on the on marijuana changes in the country. But he said uh, they just did a study, and people that regularly smoke marijuana are a certain amount of percentage likely more likely to run every day or exercise. Oh, cool! I was like, I believe that because when I'm when I smoke weed, I love going to the gym and going for bike rides. And if I got really hungover and I don't feel like smoking in the morning, I'm less likely to go to the gym. Exactly, and. Um the other thing I want to say when it comes to unicycling is it's like when you're doing it, you're always falling, but you don't fall because you're basically falling in all directions, but you're always correcting yourself. So you become like a human segue and you feel like you're floating. So it's like, I like to say it's like getting high without getting high. 
Yeah. But then if you enjoy also getting high, then you're just, you can definitely do it while you're high. So, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do like that. I, I wanted to do a segment on this called Getting High in Your Own Supply, which mm-hmm. is to promote, you know, sobriety. But you can do things that are so amazing with the chemicals in your own brain that'll adrenaline rush things. I like skydiving personally. I've only mm-hmm. done it once, but we're going again in Key West in June. Oh, awesome. Have you been skydiving? No, but I'd like to. You'd love it. You'd, yeah. I'm surprised you haven't went. Like, I want to go jump off a mountain in a flying squirrel suit. Yeah, see, that's the but, kind of shit that I would never do. But, but I can see you doing. <laughs> I mean, my plan would be to. That's a little too risky for me, even right now, because I'm like perfectly healthy. But if I was to get metastatic cancer, and they said, "Hey, you got one to three years to live," I, you know, let my boys know and my family and friends, and then I would go buy a flying squirrel suit and go jump off some mountains. I wouldn't try to kill myself, but no, I'd be but willing. That to, is one of those sports, though, that if you're kind of trying to kill yourself. I mean, you might, you're not, it's not your goal, but right. you know the chances are, aren't most of the people that were like big successful in that, almost all of them dead now? Yeah, I really haven't um, looked into it. Somebody I told me that. I'm not sure that's true. I've not yeah. fact-checked that. Well, and I think the thing is, is like to quit when you're ahead. Like nobody should ever be a criminal, but when people do go do like jewelry heist and stuff, you got to just stop. If you got away with it, don't ever tell anybody, stop. And then go back to a normal life. Like, I mean, stealing and cheating and lying, none of that's good anyway. It's not good. And stop. So stop while you're ahead, but also just stop. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's amazing how little, like, I'm starting to try to minimalize. And I really believe that everything that's material is immaterial. Like, the intangible is what's important. You know, like our spirit and love for other people and love for yourself and, you know, just trying to do the right thing. And it's not about keeping points and who's a better person. No, it isn't. You know, people, people, a lot of people, when they go spiritual, they turn it into that. All right now, yeah. how can I make this about me? Right. It's not like that. That's what actually Russell Brand's book was about. His whole book was about reconnecting with the sacred. Mm-hmm. And he's a big 12-step person because he went through a lot of drug addiction. So he's uh, completely sober now. So his whole thing is, um, you know, he's like, he thinks that our whole culture is just disconnected with the sacred, with communion with God and he because and, mm. and he's just like we we live in a world that's so material that we forget like when you buy a ribeye steak you don't think you don't even realize where that comes from it comes in a package at a grocery store mm-hmm. that was in a living animal at one point that was breathing right we're all disconnected from that because we're not we're not butchering and our I am animals. too I'm disconnected from it too yeah. I'm not trying to say I, right. if, if you're going to eat meat it'd be better to hunt it yourself yeah. and I do eat meat I try to eat less meat I try to eat um, a vegetarian diet sometimes I make my own vegetarian burgers I also eat regular burgers because they're delicious and i also think we need meat some some level of yeah. it but it's a bit of well we're supposed to be omnivores so yeah. it's good to have a mix of everything i feel like your body tells you what you need like i go with whatever i'm craving like one of the benefits of unicycling so much is that i can pretty much eat whatever i want and not really gain weight especially when i'm exercising every day right so um and then i noticed that my resting heart rate will go down to like 45 and so I know that my heart's healthy and all that. And I just, I'm 53, but I feel like I'm 23 and act like I'm 13. And I just think that's a good way to live, man. It's a great you way know? to live. Yeah. So every day, man, I just end up meeting new people. And I don't go around, I guess, giving off the vibe that I'm some kind of like hippie guru or something. But I, I can tell you, there's, I have a lot of appreciation for people that grew up in that era. And they're out there today. They're the people that are in their 60s and stuff. So, like, it's cool to talk to them. I love talking to my elders and learning things. It's it's great. Also, I think that's why we're seeing some of these changes across the country with marijuana reform is some of these hippies are in charge now. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean that there's a lot of fighting up there with what's what going to be illegal. Yeah. But it has a lot to do with, I think, big pharma, profit. Yeah, special interest groups. Yeah, and they want to control know. things. and. 
But um, marijuana reform has been amazing. It's happening everywhere. Now it's happening in some of these southern states. Um, Louisiana just passed a, a bill. Alabama's working on a medical bill. I thought bill. Georgia might have medical too, maybe. You're not quite as I think free it might be here. going. It might be going to the uh, board. Mm-hmm. I, that's a, a, I'm not sure about Georgia, but all these states, except for the ones I'm, like, I'm from North Carolina, they, they haven't done anything about it yet. Uh, of course, the federal government's supposed to. This is how many days into Biden's administration where all he's done for the war on drugs is fire people that have are that worked for him for previous smoking pot and he's going to ban menthol cigarettes that's all he's done <laughs> yeah, it makes like, a lot of sense yeah <coughs> my, my buddy brandon's like oh you're you're mad because a politician lied to you to get your votes is that the first time it's happened i'm like yeah touche yeah true <laughs> yeah so um so you're gonna do oh i was gonna ask you this too is three thousand miles a world record for a unicycle no actually a guy that i met online named ed pratt a few years ago, I actually spent three years on a unicycle going around the world. Oh, it did he all had, the way around the world. That he had to fly to different locations, oh, obviously, but I believe he went across Australia. He went through, like, Kazakhstan and all that. He went through, um, across the United States. And uh, I forget all the countries he went through. I haven't watched all of all of the videos and stuff that he's done. But um, he did it for his, a charity that had to do with, like, helping sc- underprivileged kids with school supplies and stuff. Oh, and I think some U.S. citizen actually donated, like, 300 and something grand to the cause. So they got, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it was a huge amount like that. And so it was very effective. And part of my motivation is just to try to make a difference. And I love the unicycle. I don't necessarily love the unicycle 50 miles a day, five days a week. But <laughs> I feel like that's my contribution. Like, that's my sacrifice. Like, my blood, literally blood, sweat, and tears that are going to go into this trip because I know there's going to be challenges. That's part of the adventure. But um, I know that, uh, you know, it's not all on my power. Like, you know, I don't, if I feel like if I was relying on my own power, I wouldn't have the nerve to do this, you know, but I feel like this is something I'm supposed to do. Like the old Blues Brothers movie, like I'm on a mission from God. Yeah. That's what I feel like, man. I got planted in my head. I couldn't get it out. So now I'm just doing it. So that's great, man. That's, that's it's very, uh, it's, it's inspiring. It's also, I, I think it's crazy. I would, yeah. I mean, it's like, again, awesome. So you're going to end up in, Key West is one of my favorite places. Yeah. I love yeah. Key West. So you're going to end up there and then what, you get on a plane from there and go back to Vegas? Well, no, because ideally I'll still have my car with me because it'll oh, be following me. Now, okay. I'm not going to have it follow me every day. I'm going to actually have it go ahead of me 25 miles. I'll meet you for lunch. Go ahead another 25 miles. I'll meet you for dinner. Or some variation of that, because actually in the desert, I plan on after the first day, which I'll leave at a normal hour, so I can have a little group, you know, send me off. Every day after that, I'm going to leave super early before it's even light, before it's baking hot, and ride for two or three hours, and then in the evening, late in the evening, you know, ride a couple more to get my 50 miles a day in. Because it would be, you know, asinine to ride in the heat of the day in the desert. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just doesn't really make sense. So whenever I can do that, I will. And the only time I'm going to have the car follow me is if there's like a treacherous, you know, blind curves and that kind of stuff because otherwise um you know i don't want somebody having to follow me at 10 miles an hour you know yeah that makes sense yeah, yeah. hard on the car and just go ahead and go ahead and do your thing like they could help me by contacting local media in the next town by sending out the press release in front of us or selling advertising in the next big city that we're going to be in in a few weeks because i plan on having local jerseys and shirts made for bigger cities to help me to raise money to pay for this trip because it's you know, costing a lot of money. Yeah, no, so when you come through Florida, wh- which route are you taking, the east or west coast? Well, I plan on going um, going down the uh, west coast and coming through, like, Tampa and coming down to Fort Myers. Okay. And uh, not so much going on the east coast. And then going all the way down 41 through Naples. And then, That's you know, what I would do, yeah. yeah definitely. So. 
So, um, so I plan on so being you, here so for a you'll, week. You'll be doing when you come through here. I'm sure there'll be a, a, a I, I want to be there for that. Is oh, what awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I plan on having a couple different events. Like I said, we'll have a get together at Gator Bites and a get together at like Shuckers slash the cottage. Um, you know, cause I just like those places. It's a cool place to go. Plus, you know, they, they're supportive cause they bought advertising on the local Jersey. So I'll be selling shirts at the venues, uh, when I'm here in town and that'll be the plan is the last week of August. Now, if I end up having driver problems, you know, may not be till September. I mean, right. it could change, but I just got to do the best I can, you so know. And the plan I, is it tentatively is September 11th in Key West. Yeah, to end up there, and that'll take me about six days to get there from here. Well, I'll tell you what I really like to do is be in Key West because me and my wife got married last year, September 12th in Key West. Oh no way! So like anniversary, September 12th, or go down there in 11th Key West, yeah. see your thing, and then we could spend the 12th together. Yeah. So that's what I, that, that's you just made our plans. <laughs> We're gonna be Perfect. in Boston for a week the week before, so we'll have to figure that out. But yeah, so yeah, once again, uh, I think I might have mentioned it earlier, but uh, if there's anybody out there that any of this resonates with you and you want to go on like a three month adventure, I'd love to just have one driver the entire way and not have to like make exchanges a month in because then I'm dealing with like round trip airline tickets and all that, and it's like. I'm not getting paid for this. This is costing right. me money. And so unless a bunch of donators or some philanthropist steps up and says, hey, here's five, here's 10,000 to help with all this, you know, I, it would be ideal to have somebody, one person do the whole trip. Somebody's so, wanting to go on an adventure now. Yeah. I would think you should, you could be, you'd find somebody that's just wanting to experience something. I mean, you I even thought about contacting like, you know, the Disabled American Veterans um, Association, yeah, which I've already spoke to them and said, hey, can you put it out a feeler and say, see if anybody's, that's, you know, actively retired that would like to go on an adventure like this and we'll just have a great time together, you know, because I can't afford to pay somebody a salary while I'm, you know, doing right, this. Right, right. Like, it has to be someone who's um, <clears throat> who's willing to just hit the road and not make money and not, you know, just whatever it costs to be on the road. Mm -hmm. But um, like you say, you're going to try to raise money and also with the, with the funds that you raise, it'll also help food, stuff like that could be paid for. Right. Yeah, and I still have normal bills like any person. I got to pay car insurance. I got to buy gas. I got to get cell food. phone. Cell phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so um, oh yeah, I love this this thing. I was trying to look at this list of things you said. Uh, when I, I, I you said when I'm riding and I feel like I'm one with the universe, mm -hmm. that's when I feel closest to God. Yeah, I love that because it reminded me of the first. Because like I say, the idea of finding whatever it is that you when you feel that oneness. And um, for me, like I've had those experiences on drugs um, when I did mushrooms and... Um, Which I've never tried, by the way. I've had a number of people share with me that they think it'd be, you know, that I'd be perfect for that or whatever. It's just nothing I've experimented with. I've really been content with just the only thing that I do that's not legal everywhere is a little bit of marijuana yeah. and usually it's sativa. Well, if you wanted to try mushrooms legally, there are places now um, in Denver and other places where you can now do legal weed with like a therapist. They're like, they're doing, I mean, mushrooms. Yeah, like microdosing. They do no, they'll actually do like a full mushroom trip and you in a therapist set, setting. And you can, oh, that's cool. It is cool because some, a lot of people's first experience with psychedelics is with some punk kid that says, you got to try this, here's a bunch of drugs, and then you're out of your mind, and you might you might not like it, and you might end up going, like my, happened to one of my friends who woke his parents up in the middle of the night and said he had to go to the hospital because he took too much LSD, and his parents were like, what the hell? And that was his first experience, and that shouldn't be your first experience. But yeah. I remember we did him on the beach here, and my buddy was like, uh, he well, we all went into the golf, you know, we're swimming around in the water, and he's just like, hey, you realize that like this water is connected to every other body of like, ocean on the planet? Mm -hmm. And that the current we're feeling is just part of currents moving through the whole world. And I just took that thought and went, submerged my ears into the water and just floated. 
And I just remember being at one with the whole universe. And that yeah. oneness I find when I play music. It's not just through drugs. Drugs are a way, if you've never experienced that, that can take you there faster. Meditation's a way. It's, but meditation takes practice and learning. People get bored. Like, oh, this isn't doing anything. You or there's too many distractions. Too many distractions. Yeah. But if you have something you love to do, a lot of people meditate every day and they don't realize it because they're doing it within the thing that they love to do. For me, mm-hmm. that's playing music. You kind of get go. You get in the flow or the zone. You get in the flow and everything else is shut off. I think people that yeah. like people that are carpenters, you know, bring up the Jesus thing. Like like when you get really into woodworking or whatever it is you're doing, if you're really into it, everything else is shut off. The world is quiet. Mm-hmm. That's that oneness, that communion with God. And that's what you're like, talking about with your unicycle. You, yeah. you, get, you get that moment. And that's also the runner's high. If you're into running, you're going to yeah. get that point when you're just in that flow and you get that extreme buzz. I get it when I meditate, just this feeling of just that, mm, mm-hmm. it's like this, this energy that we all have inside of us. And, and you actually, when you feel that oneness, it's because it flows through everything i mean it's the inner well and people can pick it up too because like here lately probably because i'm on a mission that i'm really passionate about this and like i have to be my own promoter right now you know so it's kind of hard to promote yourself without seeming douchey unless you just that's why i got like a little tape measure you know gag it'll go six feet before it drops so i can pass up my business card out of my window to a car next to me or off my unicycle that's and it's fun cool. i'll be at a stoplight and somebody will start talking i'll say hey listen I'm, I'm listening to pink floyd right now or i'm on the phone Here's my card, you know, follow me on Instagram. I don't know. I mean, like, you have to kind of have no shame because there's nothing to be ashamed about anyway. But I know that what I do is different, but it's I'm being my best self. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I feel best when I'm riding a unicycle. So if I can get paid for doing that, that's my ultimate goal when I'm done with all this is either to start my own charity. And I want to I want to ensure that 90 percent of every dollar goes directly to like disabled veterans, for example, if that's what I dedicate it all to or a third and third and third. Because my overhead would be extremely low. I don't need a physical location. I don't need a fancy vehicle. If I bring in, you know, a million dollars in a year, then a maximum of a hundred thousand would pay all my expenses and for me to live on. Yeah. Instead of like these charities that are like eating it all up with huge salaries oh, yeah. and all that, and there's, yeah, there's billion dollars. Why do you need a half a billion dollar, you know, building for your cancer society or whatever it may be? You yeah. know, there's just it, it's just all bloated and inflated, and it's like I feel like the world shouldn't be part of the charitable you know side of things should just be different but it it's not should. it's run like a business and the people salaries are just as high as the private sector sometimes so yeah they are um when i ask you this what what is your connection with uh with veterans for that being your cause everybody has their cause they're fighting yeah. for mine's the war on drugs that's what i'm fighting what, yeah. what brings you to the veterans well for me it's just it it incorporates so many things so many homeless people are veterans living under bridges they were in nam or you know they they're in some other conflict where they got PTSD and they just can't function like a normal person. So they're living on the street, you know, and maybe they have a pet so they can't even stay in a shelter. And this, I ran across this in Seattle and Portland and, you know, I never even everywhere. thought about that. That's so crazy. But yeah, but people, just cause you're homeless doesn't mean if you're an animal lover, you're still going to have those pets. And yeah. So how hard would it be to throw up like a ch- an eight foot, six foot chain link fence outside these places where it's possible and so let if people you have a pet, you yeah, keep your dog put them in there here. or whatever. I don't know. There's gotta be some answers. Uh, well, but, yeah, there's a lot, and there's another thing with the drug use. If you're homeless and you're using drugs, and you and they won't let you use it in the shelter, so that's one another reason they'll sleep on the streets is they have to have their heroin. And some other countries are like, yeah, you can let them do their drugs in there. Right. I mean, uh, if they have a dog, have a place for the dog. We got to do more to help the homeless. And also the PTSD mm-hmm. thing you just said, they're doing a lot of research with MDMA and um, and seeing a lot of extremely positive results with um, helping to cure PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, I also agree with this other study I said that said that you know that's all that is great and we should definitely do that. But 
we should also be trying to figure out how to make a more peaceful world where we don't have soldiers going and coming back with PTSD. Some of these right. battles we need to figure out. Some of them are pointless. Mm-hmm. Some of them, some some things do have to happen. I don't believe that we should just stop going to war altogether. We definitely should if we can. But there's certain conflicts that are happening. Right. And it's not as easy as to say everybody just be peaceful, chill out. That's not how it works, well, unfortunately. And, and the other thing is not just like homeless. That just touches the surface. But also you've got in the PTSD. But you also have. Um, you know, missing limbs, and you've got, you know... And they come back and they're not taken care of. Yeah, exactly, and not well enough. I, no. You know, it's my understanding that it's been better for some, but depending on what your living situation is and, and that kind of thing, like, it might be hard to even get to the clinic yeah. or whatever to get the help. But um, there's no easy answers to all that stuff, but my, my oldest brother was in the Navy, and my dad was in the Army, and my grandfather uh, was in the service, and then my... You know, fiance who passed away, she was in the Air Force for 10 years and her son just got out of the Navy for seven years. And very, very close so, with military. Yeah, and then fire as well, because my oldest brother retired as a fire chief and my other brother, Gary, passed away and he was a fireman in the Cape for 20 years. And, oh, was he the you one know, that got paralyzed? Yeah, and yeah, he fell off the deck of his house, two-story deck, and broke his neck in three places and severed his spine at T3. So he was paralyzed from the chest down and I was able to, you know, quit my job and break up with my girlfriend and move in with him and his wife and take care of him for a couple of years until he passed away. But two months before he died, we did an event where I rode 100 miles in a day on my unicycle and 17 of his firemen friends and brothers and sisters from down here drove up in a 30-year-old fire truck and followed me in Atlanta. And we ended up raising a total of like, I don't know, $8,000 to help buy him a used van. And then, you know, unfortunately, two months later, he passed away. That's that kind of but, yeah, but he he got to see you do that, and that, that's great. And yeah, and, and also, he, uh, go ahead. Well, he was able to live, and he was in a wheelchair for two years, and he never wanted to be two days in a wheelchair. So for yeah. him, he gave it enough time to where he felt like, okay, this isn't how I'm going to live my life, and I feel like he made a choice, like I'm done. And about a week later, he was done. You but know? he didn't so take his own life. He just no, stopped, no. I like, just think he stopped wanting to live, and I think that maybe it was coincidence, and you know, I don't know if he got septic or what, but in the end, it was like you know, quick. Yeah, I guess so, once you really mm-hmm. lose that will. Um, yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's, the universe is, can be compassionate, um, I guess. I don't know how that exactly works. Yeah, I mean, suffering for a long time is definitely not, it's not, not a, way a to good go. way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so 100, you did 100 miles in one day. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of years later, when my youngest son was 14, Jake, he learned how to unicycle a couple of years before that. And he and I did a 100-mile ride down here. In Lee County, went from deep in the Cape over to FGCU and all around and out to the beach, and we ended the ride out there at the beach. And um, he did 100 miles too when he was 14, and did it with and me. How so, long does that take? 100 miles? Uh, 10 to 12 hours. It's yeah. a long day, though. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, the longest I've done on my bicycle is probably about 40 miles in a day. Just that's still, that's still good, though. Yeah, that's still really good. And there's there's no coasting on the unicycle, so you're always pedaling oh, of some yeah. sort. But, uh, yeah. There's a lot of coasting when I'm riding. <laughs> and it's nice that it's flat here because, I mean, when you're yeah. climbing hills, going down the hill, you don't get to just coast freely like you do on a bike. You kind of got to apply back pressure to your legs or use a brake so you can slow yourself down. Yeah. So if you were going up and over the Sandoval Bridge, were you just walk it the whole way? or do you... No, I ride over the whole thing. Really? Yeah, I just recently went over it a couple times, and it's fun. Good now, little... do you ride, if you were to ride from here to Sandoval, you'd ride from here to Sandoval? Because mm-hmm. that one stretch... Of um, Summerlin, I guess if you're riding all over the country, there's gonna be lots of stretches like that. Yeah, where I just have to kind of, I don't like to take the lane because I'm only going like 10 miles an hour. You know what I mean? The bike. Whereas if, 
on my unicycle. So like, take the lane means like go out into the lane and oh. kind of claim it. Oh, I got you. So because people are supposed to give you three feet. So the problem is when you ride off the side of the road like I do, if there's a shoulder, I'll ride in the shoulder. And then people don't always give you three feet. They zip by you like just they're not even acknowledging you. So that can be a little scary. Like on my first thousand miles, I got blown off the road twice by like double logging trucks that blew by and just the wind from it flew me in the ditch. But with the cool thing, speaking of of weed, the second time that happened, I got back up to the street with my unicycle. I started walking. I saw somebody pulled up ahead of me like quarter mile and pulled over. So I thought maybe they saw my wreck and were making sure I was okay. So I waved and gave me okay symbol and they just stayed there. So I trotted up there and it was this this young lady and she told me that she works in the uh, medicinal marijuana business basically selling scales like precision scales for weighing weed and all that hmm. so she's like i'm going up to the next town and you know if you want you know come along i'll give you a ride and i i had banked about 20 or 30 miles extra because i just spent a couple of days riding around portland and keeping track of my mileage so i could kind of use that if i yeah. ever wanted to have a little break and not feel like i'm cheating because i don't right. want to cheat you know so, um, so she gave me a ride to the next town and she went to the health food store unbeknownst to me and got me like coconut water and organic dates and all this. And, and I let her know that I'm, you know, serious with somebody just in case there was any right. thought that I was trying to pick up on her. And she asked me, she's like, you know, do you partake? And I'm like, oh yeah. She's like, awesome. So after she was done working, we got together and it's going to sound crazy, but we watched this laser light show that was done to Mama Mia. I don't know who came up with that. They were probably... Like Mamma Mia, the kid, the kids. Mama Mia, the movie, like the music. It's like a movie. Is it a musical? I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know if it's. I guess it is. Like, a like, in a, like in a planetarium. Yeah, like outside, and um, you know. Anyway, it was cool, but um, seems hard to kind of picture that. That, that would be cool. Yeah, but. I've been to the indoor planetarium laser shows. Yeah, this was outdoor. So it was more like you could see. It wasn't just like the lasers you saw. You saw out. But the, uh, yeah, I've not been yeah. to. An, I've not been to an outdoor yeah. laser show unless you count the concerts like Pink Floyd, where there's oh, laser yeah. beams. But it was cool because, like, once again, it was just an example of somebody going out of their way to help you. And then, you know, I got to where I learned to, like, let people help me if they were offering. Instead yeah. of me asking, I wasn't actually asking or putting out a tip jar or anything. People would just, hey, what are you doing and why are you doing it? And uh, do you need any help? And then I'd be like, well, you know, <laughs> if you if you want. And whenever somebody tries to give me money, I always clarify, like, is this for one of the charities? Because I'm trying to raise awareness for the charities. I'm not collecting donations for the charities. That would be crazy. Not when you can right. just go to DAV.org right. or, you know, the IAFF Burn Foundation. Like, you go to you, Concerns of Police Survivors, you just type it in and then you go donate. Like, why would I be in the middle of that? I'm just trying to make people think of these three charities. Yeah, you're raising they're... awareness for the charities and raising money for your trip. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I always clarify that when somebody tries to give me a 20 or 40 or whatever, I'd be like, now, is this to help me pay for my trip or do you want this to go to one of these charities? You know? Yeah. And a couple of times they've said, oh, yeah, I wanted to donate to DAV. I'm like, well, you need to go on to DAV.org. And I showed them. And yeah. so, you know, it's all good. Yeah, that's cool. So so for donating for your trip, which is what mm-hmm. I'm going to tell my listeners to help you out mm-hmm. with. Um, is, oh, wait, you're going you're gonna to give me your... Um, your GoFundMe go fund thing, and I'm mm-hmm. going to put that in my, um, my my opening thing. Yeah, and there's also, of course, PayPal and all that, so I don't know what people prefer to do. I'm sure you have a Venmo. And I got a Venmo, Let's yeah. Do, right, Venmo's, everybody, that's the, that's the easiest one for anybody. Awesome. So as we're talking, I'm going to pop that up and see it, because it goes under your name, right? Maybe some other people that are of my era would need to like learn how to do this stuff, too. So my Venmo is at William Rhino Mueller. That's really easy. At William Rhino Mule. Yeah, and it's R H I N O. And you know, I don't really expect you know anybody in particular to 
to actually uh, donate. But if somebody feels led to, then awesome. And I greatly appreciate it. But I don't want to be coming across that I'm, you know, begging for money. But, you know, it all helps. I mean, I'm not eating fancy on the road. I'm eating beans and rice and packets of tuna. Right. And sometimes I'll splurge and actually stay in a really ratty one-star hotel or whatever. I mean, if I had more time, I'd like to try to get a hotel sponsor. Um, this will probably, you know, get on TV a, a few more times, I would imagine, just because it's something unusual. And some media outlets actually like to cover feel-good stories. Yeah. So hopefully that's going to be what happens because any publicity is good publicity. Matter of fact, tomorrow I'm getting ready to go on Fort Myers Beach and dress in an inflatable Pikachu outfit and unicycle down the beach. Just to be stupid well, tomorrow crazy. Tomorrow was tomorrow. Tuesday. I'm off Tuesday. Okay, you got to come down to Fort right. Myers Beach. Lonnie what, Kai. Lonnie Kai at what time? Uh, noon to 5. And um, I won't be riding around as Pikachu for five hours. Right. <laughs> but maybe after I have a rum runner, you know, have one rum runner right. and then dress up as Pikachu and get out there. I wish I had a saxophone I could borrow because I'd like to play the sax while I'm dressed as Pikachu. <laughs> I wish I had one you too. <laughs> Yeah, so. so that, yeah, that'd be cool. What time do you think you'll do that? Because I know you said 12 to 5. I won't get yeah, I would, for it at 12, but. Yeah, I would say probably around 3. Perfect. Yeah. That, that's perfect for me. You or anytime you say, hey, listen, Rhino, if it's about time to put on the Pikachu outfit, I'll be like, you know what? You're right. Let's do that's this. Cool. I'm going to get some video of it from my, uh, my Instagram <laughs> so that my, my people can check it out. Yeah. It's very cool, man. Well, It'll um, be fun. It has nothing, no connection to anything. It's just a matter of being like something, you know, silly and different. Like when I went into Circle K and I paid the clerk with my electric tape measure. Like I just got a check the other day um, put in my bank account. It wasn't big. Some, somebody in Tokyo, some TV station in Tokyo paid to put it on TV in Tokyo. So it's cool there's some cool Japanese people seeing the video. I don't know. I mean, yeah, made a little something off it. So <laughs> it's all good. That's cool. Yeah. Um, you want to smoke any? What's that? You want to smoke any? Sure. Yeah, I haven't done that in a while because I actually have a dryer vaporizer. It's my preference. It's called the Ooze. And I typically... Um, I got an Ooze. Do you? Yeah. So I typically never buy it. And it's not because I'm cheap. It's just because I end up... What happens is I'm around people that are cool and they'll invite me to join them. And then I'll offer, but then they never let me like help pay or whatever. So it's like... Well, I see, don't know. We, we got all this, bud, because... Uh, my wife just got her medical card. Oh, and by the way, not to not to interrupt real quick, but I want to say because I might forget, I would I would I never buy off the street. If I ever do buy it, it has to be medicinal. It has to be from a dispensary. So usually it's somebody that has it that gets it, you know, safely. Because I don't want to end up with synthetic or something that's going to mess with my head. The only thing I would worry about on the streets, which I, I never do, but is a synthetic cannabinoid that could possibly be sprayed on it. But even them, they're not that dangerous, but they're definitely, they're, they're not as safe as the natural. I thought there was some fake weed that was going well, around. Well, now synthetic cannabis was very popular, but it's it was, it's was been outlawed though. So it was popular when it was sold at the head shops, oh. but they outlawed it. So it's not there anymore. Yeah. It got, and the problem is they would keep outlawing certain like strains and then the companies would create a new analog that was legal right and the newer analogs were stronger more potent not as safe and that's the problem with outlawing drugs is you're gonna same things happen with fentanyl analogs if there's a demand there's gonna be a supply exactly there's like there's a heroin demand the problem is fentanyl is is a lot stronger and some of them are almost deadly or well, immediately deadly what i heard is because one of the things that i used to help administer to ms love was her fentanyl patches it would last for three days transdermal so she's getting a dose that she needs for severe right. pain so it 
you know, that's what it's working on is severe pain. But when you take it when you're not in pain and you cut it into pieces and chew it. Oh, yeah. There's that. Well, also, know, so she's, totally... on, she's on a regulated dose from a doctor. So right. You know, and also the fentanyl at the hospital is a certain kind of fentanyl that's been, like, again, regulated dose that they know what they're getting. It's not going to be lethal to her if she takes them out. She's supposed to. Yeah. And it so takes stuff, three days to, yeah. you know, slowly go in her system. Yeah, but a lot of the fentanyl in the streets is are analogs of fentanyl that uh, the, China, the Chinese government will outlaw, but they don't have the same laws. In this country, we've outlawed all fentanyl analog so you could come up with any analog of it you want and it's still not legal to sell and china is not the case so they have to keep outlawing new analogs so when you say analog that basically describes it's a like, chemical uh, they change one thing in the chemical and make it gotcha. slightly different not illegal yet and then they keep changing these chemicals and they become some of them become more and more dangerous or stronger and they and they keep flowing into the united states mm. so, so if you're a heroin user and you go buy heroin and say say there was a heroin bust well, the heroin dealers can just take some fentanyl and cut some whatever they have to make a new dose of heroin to sell on the streets. But say they get that dose wrong. So you're used to this amount of heroin and you shoot up and you get a strong dose of fentanyl. That's where a lot of these overdose happen. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so, and that's the problem. Luckily, I've never experimented with that, any of that hard stuff. Like I said, for me, ga- marijuana wasn't a gateway drug. That was the end of the road. Like, and for most people, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it really is. Yeah, it hasn't led the, to anything for For the me. people, it's not the end of the road. They had more going on with them that they wanted to search out other yeah. things. For most people... And actually, if you look at states with marijuana, medical marijuana, the pain pill and opiate addiction has gone down because well, they're substances are using this instead. Yeah, and, and if it doesn't have get, side effects. Exactly. And people that can get over their withdrawals from opiate addiction can move to marijuana. I highly recommend that. Yeah. Because like, marijuana is not a drug you have to have oh, to, or you have withdrawal. This might be a good time to segue into talking about like uh, kava and oh, yeah. kratom. We're going to talk about because, that. I'm going to light this up. Yeah, because that helps you to avoid the alcohol, you know. Because um, think well, about it, when when the United States tried to control alcohol consumption, what happened? You know, with prohibition, it, it was the organized crime got stronger than ever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, even like NASCAR, I believe stock cars started from being like runners, runners of, of, of yeah. booze. Yeah, they did. So it's pretty cool when you think about it in a way, but it's also not cool. Well, it's 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 something that came out of. Um, out of the prohibition that wasn't necessarily negative. That depends on your thoughts on NASCAR, though. But um, I'm not a fan. But I've been to the NASCAR. I'm from North Carolina. It's fun to go. If you, you, I've never liked it on TV. Then you go to a race, you're like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, my brother, my brother Eddie, who lives in California with my other brother Robbie right now, used to go to, like, every race, fly everywhere, drive everywhere, and um, he would, like, follow it, you know. He still worked, too. But that was, like, his thing. And I still have never gotten to go to a race, but... I prefer to be in the car driving it. Like, that's why, you know what I mean? I just yeah. like, yeah. nothing against watching sports, but like, I'd rather play football than watch mm-hmm. football, and I'd rather play tennis well, than watch you know, it. That's what my, my buddy Brandon calls it, uh, Brand Rayburn, a shout out. He calls it displaced masculinity. The guys that don't do anything for themselves, like, they don't, you know, they're not out. So they just get kind of they need that masculine, that, that kind of fight. So they, they displace it into sports. They're like, and well, so, if I can do this, then I can. So it's like they're, they're getting their sports fixed vicariously yes, through somebody exactly, else. Exactly, because you need that. <clears throat> but if, if you're not out there <coughs> being competitive yourself, then you're <clears throat> going to find it within... Sorry. <coughs> We're smoking. Oh this is called Durban <coughs> Poison. <coughs> Durban Poison. Durban Poison from Cure Leaf. It's a sativa. So, <coughs> excuse me, that's good. Can I do a um, little impersonation for you? Oh, of course. Just because you got the mics here. So there's a movie called The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Steve Carroll came out a long time ago. Obviously, it's about a 40-year-old virgin. So anyway, there's a part where um, Andy, who is the 40-year-old version, is at Smart Tech or whatever. It's like a Best Buy and, um, or Circuit City or whatever. So Moog, the Indian guy, walks in and he says to Andy, Andy, man, how old are you, 25? 
No, I'm 40. Holy crap, man, you got to get on that. It's about love. It's about connection. It's not about your double-decker buses, and that's not what they say. It goes into a bunch of obscenities. But the point is, it really is about love, and it's about connection. So Moog, the Indian dude, hit the nail on the head. And the other thing I'll say is, most of the important things you need to learn, you can learn in kindergarten. So you need to just follow the golden rule and just chill, man. Just chill and, and connection. Like uh, That's what Johan, or, sorry, Johan Hari's book, Lost Connections, is about. We're all equal, man. doesn't matter. Yeah. They're trying to pit us against each other. It's not about gender. It's not about race. We're all in the same human existence trying to you know, battle ourselves. And it's the old classic man versus man, man versus nature, and man versus himself. The three yeah. great struggles. And if you want to read some killer books, if you're getting bored with what you've been reading, check out the great books that were put out by Encyclopedia Britannica. It's the greatest recorded history, you know, in novel form and written form from the beginning of written history, starting with Homer through Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, you know, all the way to Mark Twain. And I can't even say I've read them all, but really great books. They're called great books. It's called great books. So check it out. I'm not affiliated, but yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I um, Oh, yeah. One thing we were talking about that we brushed over was the Kratom and Kava thing, because you just found out about Kratom and Kava. Yesterday. So, um, yes. Raggy, roll her here. Hey, Scoob. All right. We, we, I, um, I haven't practiced that in a while, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, so kava is a good substitute for alcohol unfortunately also could cause liver damage if you do it too much Ooh. but um i would imagine not as bad as alcohol but you can, that's for you um, i'm putting it on right two. now it says the peace on drugs podcast look that up people uh, actually you're already listening to us <laughs> yeah, so um and then kratom is a good substitute for harder opiates, uh, opia, um, morphine derivative opiates. Wow. And Because um, it is an opiate, but it's not derivative from morphine or, or from the poppy. It's a separate plant, but it, it activates your opioid receptors. Which one's that? Kratom. Oh, cool. So that's why I say kratom is a little more addictive than they'll tell you. Like, they're like it's just about like coffee, and it's sim similar addiction to coffee, but it, you will have withdrawals if you stop cold turkey. But, um, it's, but it's a lot easier to get off of, and it's also non-lethal. You can't overdose if you take too much of it. Um, so it's way safer than if you're if you're addicted to the morphine derivatives. But a lot of these kids that I see at the Kava Bar just loving the kratom. I'm like, I hope you realize that this is an addictive drug. I mean, I'm not, I'm totally for it. It's safe. Uh, mm -hmm. If you like it, do it. But just understand that you may have withdrawals if you stop, and that but you can easily just taper off. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like people should know about it. Do you feel like you're in the zone right now? I feel like I'm in the zone. Like I was, I was mentioning to you earlier. <laughs> we're high. I'm high as fuck right now. I was mentioning earlier before we came into the little sound studio and before Schnarf started going haywire because he's got some separation anxiety. But he's the best golden retriever ever. And Ms. Love had thought she made up the word Schnarf. And I'm like, honey, I think I've heard that word before. So I Googled it. And Schnarf is a character from the Thundercats, if you've oh. ever seen those cartoons. And so, um, but we used to always say that to each other. Like if something was good, you're like, oh, that's Schnarfy. Or if it's not good, you're like, that's not very Schnarfy. Or, hey, if you're feeling frisky, like, let's go schnarf. I mean, it could mean all those things. <laughs> and so when we got our dog, his name was Jackson. I'm like, he's not a Jackson. I'm sorry. I like the Jackson 5. Jacksons are cool. Right. Michael Jackson, whatever. Earlier, I was wearing a white glove. It was my golf glove. It was comfortable. So I had it on. <laughs> then I took it off. Anyway, TMI, too much information. <laughs> so right now, I feel like I could bust out some poems and stuff, but I don't know if that segues correctly. Because I wrote one when I was in prison. It's supposed to be motivational. It's called Strive. All right, let's do it. All right, strive. I'm 18 at the time, by the way. I'm trapped in a cell where I inevitably face 
10 years in prison for a crazy car chase. I could have never imagined such an incredible waste, nor pictured myself taking a taste. Well, the people trapped here are full of emotion, but it's mainly the type that brings only revulsion. There's fear and there's anger, jealousy and hate, talk of lost love, broken families, all blamed on fate. It's sad that so many consider their plight as just one more reason to stray from the light. They rape and they steal, they kill and they fight. They don't seem to realize what they do isn't right. So for now, I sit here, I listen and wait until my name's called and I'm led to the gate. Hopefully for me, it's still not too late to strive and work hard and become something great. That's it. That's great, Thank man. you. Thank Love you. It. So. That's, and what's crazy is that I woke up, I started writing a poem for my first time in a long time this morning. Mm -hmm. I had this crazy dream. And um, I, actually, I'm not, I guess I, you'll hear, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read mine for the intro. That's going to be one of the things. I was thinking I was going to use it for the intro for a podcast. So I was like, mm -hmm. well, now now I know what I'm going to do it for the intro of this one. Nice. It's a very short poem about a, a drug overdose thing. But um, but yeah, that was uh, worked out really great. I can't believe you read a poem. First person to read a poem on, on the podcast when I woke up this morning writing a poem from the first That's time before crazy. I did the podcast. And this is from memory. Like, it's, you yeah. know, and I don't have a photographic memory. It's just I just, you know memorize it by reciting it a few times that's very so. cool well, let's wrap this thing up um so once again at rhino ventures mm -hmm. that's um which one's the at rhino ventures that's that's my instagram that's instagram so go to instagram follow the whole watch the, the whole thing oh also do you want to do a um while you're out there on the road if you, any cool city you get to, shoot me a text if you ever want to just call in on the podcast. and we can, Oh, yeah. We'll just release little segments of where you're at. For sure. That'd be uh, cool. Uh, yeah, very cool. And then at uh, William Rhino Muller, that's M-U-E-L-L-E-R, William Rhino. Am I saying it right? Mueller. William Rhino Mueller. Yeah, Mueller. that's my... Um, like the Mueller. My like, Venmo. Um, yeah, so that's the Venmo if you want to help support this cause. And... Um, we're going to get off here. We're going to work on a quick little um, video clip for the YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out at the Peace on Drugs podcast on YouTube. And William, it was thank you. Or should I call you Rhino or William? I prefer Rhino. Yeah. All right, listen, Rhino. Thank you so much for being on here. It was a yeah, pleasure. Man. Enjoy it. It was great meeting you. You too, brother. All right. All right Peace awesome. out. Peace.